0: Social Ventures Australia brings you this podcast from the SVA Quarterly, sharing insights from SVA's work and from across the social sector. Despite 27 years of uninterrupted economic growth, increasing numbers of Australians are experiencing severe financial vulnerability and stress. In this podcast, Louise Campbell reflects on some emerging trends with the potential to move the dial on financial wellbeing. 10 years ago, Shane lost his parents to cancer within a year of each other. Each time he had to take out a loan to pay for the funeral. A decade later, he is still in debt from the funeral costs and dealing with ongoing financial stress. Three years ago, Geraldine was living with her husband in a comfortable home and running her own business with a turnover of $2 million. Her marriage broke down and she moved into a rental flat. Then Geraldine's business hit some troubles, which ultimately led to bankruptcy. Since last year, she's been homeless, staying on friends' couches or in emergency housing. According to research from the Centre for Social Impact, there are nearly two and a half million Australians experiencing significant financial vulnerability or stress, like Shane and Geraldine. That is one in every 10 of us. So that means a third of all households will be experiencing stresses, such as how to pay their rent, meet bills, respond to sudden events such as family illness, or plan for the future. The way one person described this financial stress was as follows. I know how to manage my money, but there are more costs than money coming in. Cutting back on leisure cuts me off from my friends which leads to anxiety and depression. It's taught me not to judge people with money problems. We are all in this mess for different reasons. Not only is the scale of financial vulnerability a cause for concern, but also the rising trend. Australia has seen an increase of over 30% in a decade in people experiencing financial stress. People can also fall into financial vulnerability very rapidly precipitated by one or two sudden events. Analysis from Monash University indicates that external factors such as job loss, health issues or a relationship breakdown have become more common triggers for financial stress over the past 10 to 15 years. So what does financial well-being look like? The Centre for Social Impact has crystallised the definition of financial well-being into three helpful categories recognisable to all of us. Firstly, meeting expenses and having some money left over. Second, being in control of your finances. And finally, feeling financially secure. This is not just a matter of understanding your finances. It is dependent on people having economic security through access to employment or adequate income in the first instance. The recent Royal Commission into Misconduct in the banking, super and finance financial services industry certainly shone a light on this type of vulnerability and the role of predatory industry practices. A range of organisations across the not-for-profit, government and corporate sectors have been working to support financial wellbeing for many years. The activities covered four particular areas, services and programs, education and tools, research and advocacy, and market interventions with targeted products. So number one, services and programs. Uh, This this includes the financial counselling work of Financial Counselling Australia and other providers for low-income families, and the financial inclusion action plan program from Good Shepherd Microfinance to encourage positive corporate approaches. Number two, education and tools. For example, programs delivered by not-for-profits such as First Nations Foundation, Brotherhood of St. Lawrence and the Smith family, and some of the big four banks to explain budgeting, savings, planning, and expense monitoring. Or tools such as ASIC's Money Smart Budget Planner. Number three is research and advocacy, and this includes work by ASIC, Centre for Social Impact, and several financial services organisations to build understanding of the issues and behaviour as well as coalitions advocating on wicked issues such as payday lending or welfare support. And number four, market interventions. This includes things such as the No Interest Loan Scheme, NILS, delivered by Good Shepherd Microfinance and NAB, which provides solutions for consumers experiencing financial stress. This podcast doesn't seek to describe all the activity taking place nor arbitrate about what works best there's extensive research and discussion on this topic better place to draw such conclusions instead we share some observations drawn from the experiences and projects that SVA has been part of over the past 2 years in some cases these represent shifting battlegrounds in the struggle towards financial well-being so today there's three areas that i'm going to talk about first building financial literacy and capability isn't the sole answer. The past decade has seen a proliferation of programs and organizations targeting financial literacy and education. As outlined by CSI when a person is equipped with financial literacy basically the knowledge and skills to make good financial decisions they can better make ends meet, keep track of their finances, plan for the future, choose the right financial products and also stay informed. But the research around financial literacy in education highlights several factors worth discussing. The effectiveness of financial education interventions is highly nuanced. The evidence surrounding these programs shows that the cohort, the subject matter, and the timing has a significant impact on how effective it is. Education has been found to be less effective for low income groups, as is the subject of handling debt and the success of the education relies on it being offered at a teachable moment, which means the point in time when the person is making a decision or can see its immediate re- relevance. Financial capability is only one of four pillars that builds a person's financial resilience. Given the, f- the level of focus on financial education to date, the battlegrounds for coming years may need to prioritize the other three pillars, which are number one, an individual's economic capacity which is inherently linked to their level of income. Number two, their access to the right financial products and services, which could be their bank account, credit, insurance. And number three, their social capital, so what, the support they go to in times of crisis. Without doubt, these can be more challenging areas to influence, and in some instances, market interventions or disruptions are gonna be the only way to make an adequate impact. The second area that I'll talk about is where Corporate Australia has a key role to play. Several of SBA's projects have focused on the linkages between Corporate Australia and financial vulnerability or exclusion. This work has illuminated the scale of what is possible for customers, staff and the broader community when a corporate directs its efforts towards supporting financial wellbeing. The Financial Inclusion Action Plan or FIAP program is run by Good Shepherd Microfinance. Similar to a Reconciliation Action Plan, a FAP is a set of agreed practical actions that an organisation undertakes to improve financial inclusion and resilience in Australia. SVA developed estimates of financial value delivered by FAPs in areas such as customer and staff hardship and financial capability. Reviewing FIAPs across 15 corporates in the financial services and utilities sectors, SVA estimated that if completed, these actions could deliver social value equivalent to over $500 million, 80% of which would be derived from actions focused on client hardship and financial capability. Dr. Venita Godino, who's the General Manager at Good Shepherd Microfinance, emphasizes FIAP has shown us that any organization, no matter how big or small, can promote financial inclusion, resilience and well-being within its own sphere of influence. An emerging opportunity for corporate Australia to make a real difference is by prioritizing customers in their business models and culture. This was certainly a key message in the Royal Commission report published in February. Some positive steps have already been made. For example, Several financial services organisations have overhauled new insurance products to eliminate features that disadvantage customers, such as stepped premiums and contributions exceeding payouts. The next step will be to make sure that all customers have access to these new, more fair products. When SBA worked directly with one large financial services organisation last year, we noted that the greatest area of potential impact for its disadvantaged and vulnerable customers would be for the organisation to proactively contact and shift the large number of customers on legacy products to newer products that offer the customers a better deal. ASIC's new product intervention powers came fresh off the legislative press from Parliament earlier this month. It will hopefully provide the necessary incentive for these sorts of cultural shifts in the financial services sector but also more broadly across corporate Australia. So the third area I'll talk about relates to broad coalitions being needed to disrupt system-wide problems. In markets with a history of bad outcomes for consumers, disruptive solutions may provide the key. An independent third party such as SVA can help to facilitate the many parties required to come together to solve a systemic issue. In response to predatory debt consolidation and payday lenders, a coalition of organizations set a vision for a not-for-profit, customer-focused body that would help vulnerable consumers to bring their debts together in a manageable way. In December 2018, that organization, WayForward, was launched. Within its first 6 months, WayForward has begun to help people living with financial hardship return to financial stability, avoiding the extortionate interest rates and other damaging behavior. Of high street debt consolidators and lenders. Fiona Guthrie, who is CEO of Financial Counselling Australia, one of the, the leading collaborating organisations, explains Way Forward is unique. It is a genuine collaborative effort between the banking industry and the community sector. None of us could have done this by ourselves. Other areas that have been historically challenging for government and regulators to influence are the funerals and the funerals financial products markets. There are days of testimony at the Royal Commission exposing myriad concerns about the selling of funeral insurance. Less publicized is the significant debt many families are left with after purchasing funerals. Funerals can cost anywhere between $7,000 and $15,000. But despite such a significant cost, Many families still feel this doesn't provide the meaningful and culturally appropriate fuel they need. SVA is progressing an innovative disruption of these two markets on behalf of a broad group of concerned organisations. Replicating a successful not-for-profit funeral model from Illawarra region, the initiative will drive down the cost of funerals and allow families to focus on the elements that mean most to them. It will also bring an unconventional savings product to the market which will provide an attractive alternative to funeral insurance and encourage people to prepare financially for a funeral. The combined approach will lead to fewer families being left in financial hardship as they grieve for a loved one. This work with tender funerals is expected to launch by the end of 2019 and will be covered in a future SVA quarterly article. These two examples involve unlikely allies working together significant multi-year, no-strings-attached funding was provided by financial services organisations, many of them household names. Valuable pro bono contributions have been made by legal and professional services organisations. And a broad array of consumer and community organisations have walked alongside throughout. And a strong voice from government and regulators has also contributed. These have been truly cross-sector bipartisan coalitions with SVA playing a central convening role. So in summary, there are innumerable complex systems at play that have led to the 2.5 million Australians experiencing significant financial stress and vulnerability and the answers are never going to be simple. We are heartened however to see a range of emerging approaches, some of which have been catalyzed by the Royal Commission. Financial literacy and capability activity is being framed more often alongside the broader need for economic security as well as better financial products and services. There also seems to be greater appetite for truly radical disruptions when markets or circumstances are consistently delivering bad outcomes for consumers. SVA certainly welcomes this shift in the battleground for financial wellbeing. Related podcasts and articles can be found on the SVA quarterly site, www.socialventures.com.au forward slash SVA quarterly